I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast with stories and information and in-depth analysis from our experts at AccuWeather and around the world as it relates to climate and weather and how it interacts with your everyday life. Old Man Winter is really cranky. In fact, a major storm has blasted through parts of the Northeast into New England as we drop this podcast early Friday morning. They are going to be digging out, especially in interior parts of the Northeast New England, three to four feet of snow in some areas. And as we get ready for the holidays, the kind of wintry holidays of Christmas, New Year's, Kwanzaa, and we're celebrating Hanukkah for our Jewish friends, it is a time of reflection and certainly a time to kind of look back at what we've gone through with COVID-19 and what we have to look forward to. And our founder and CEO, Dr. Joel Myers, has been helping us do that since we got going again with our Everything Under the Sun podcast at, back during the beginning of the pandemic. So Dr. Myers joins us for our first Raise a Focus segment, telling us that we're not surprised by the influx of new cases of COVID and what he expects uh, with the increase in numbers and also the vaccine finally getting into the hands of adults here in the country. We'll talk to Dr. Myers about that. Then we'll visit with Dr. E. I wanted to kind of check in with him again as we get ready for this heart of the holiday season, seeing some things in the media and certainly some of my friends that I'm concerned about. And I think as you go through your daily lives, things concerning you, things that you should be thinking about as we, again, try to get through winter, try to get through the holidays with everything going on with COVID. And we will reflect back on this big storm with our friend Brad Anderson and look ahead into early next week. Do we have any more big storms in the forecast? Lots to do, lots to talk about, friends. It's time to talk about everything under the sun. Dr. Joel N. Myers has done many things in his life, including founding and running AccuWeather since its inception. Before that, after earning all of his meteorological degrees from Penn State, he remained on faculty. And so while he was starting the business, he was also still teaching and taught many of the great forecasters in our nation and those uh, many of those great forecasters that came to work for AccuWeather here. Uh, he was teaching through the early 80s. Now, before that part of his life at Penn State, he was an early entrepreneur. He created a newspaper for his grandparents at nine, and his goal very early on, and he told it to everybody, was to combine his love for weather and his ability to forecast and create a business where people paid for that skill. Well, all these years later, here he is sitting at the top of his global community and company that feeds weather information to a billion people worldwide. So he has great perspective, and he's always been that guy to look back at history and kind of evaluate. Evaluate, and it really goes into part of the forecasting process. So it is with all of that that I welcome into our program founder and CEO of AccuWeather, Dr. Joel Myers, to talk a little bit about where we are with COVID and where we're going and really talk about we're seeing some of the things that he told us were going to happen just a few months ago. 
Joel, welcome. It's been a while. And uh, first of all, uh, wishing you and yours uh, the happiest of holiday seasons as you uh, and your family celebrate Hanukkah, get ready to celebrate the holidays of Christmas and New Year's. I, I know also, you know, it's not just your immediate well, family. Well, some of my family celebrate Christmas, so it's a mixture. We celebrate all the holidays, and of course, we uh, enjoy all of it, and uh, and a happy New Year and all of that, and to you and, and yours. It's not just your, your immediate family. I know you consider all of those that work with you at AccuWeather, your family as well. And, you know, as we uh, drop this here on Friday morning, we're coming off a, a historic snowstorm here and haven't seen a snowstorm like this in parts of the Northeast for a long time. And uh, I know a lot of folks have been working hard on it. And I know you're proud and really uh, have good wishes to all of your AccuWeather family too, as we get ready for this holiday season. Absolutely. You know, I've been blessed by having so many dedicated employees that have committed and contributed uh, to uh, the success of AccuWeather and, and uh, all we've achieved over, over decades. It's, uh, it's been uh, a wonderful thing for me because I've lived it. I've seen so many of you uh, contribute in so many ways and yet enjoy the, your job and, and uh, get satisfaction from uh, helping people and in the extreme saving lives and helping people make better decisions. And it's, uh, I, I've been very, very lucky. Well, we appreciate that, Joel, and we've been lucky too. And, and I think one of the things that you know you and and your generation has taught to to me and the the newer generations of forecasters is the importance of pattern recognition and and looking at things in a not just looking at a model that tells you what it thinks is going to do, but understanding all of the situations around it, knowing historically what's happened and all those kinds of things. And that kind of leads me into what I wanted to talk to you about uh, today is, you know, when we went back to the beginning of our series talking about COVID back in March and April, as we get into this kind of second little surge here of the virus and COVID, these are things that you predicted back in, in March and April that would happen based on your knowledge of the atmosphere and everything going on and pattern and history too. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, it, it is so important. And it is part of forecasting. And certainly the models have gotten better and better, but you have to be able to make decisions based on uh, uh, all the other information that's available. I remember one of the big successes AccuWeather had in, in a snow prediction a couple of years ago, a big storm hit in New York. I remember the uh, other forecasters, the National Weather Service, were predicting it, it was a March storm in New York City, extraordinary accumulations, 24 to 36 inches. And I think our forecast was 12 to 18 inches for the city. I think they wound up with 15, uh, something like that. Now, uh, the models were predicting, uh, you know, three feet, but there'd never been a snowstorm greater than, I think it was 18 or 90, 20 inches in New York uh, in 150 years in March. You had to look at things like that and consider them and see where the model may be going wrong and use good judgment. Certainly, our forecast was far superior, as it often is, because we take into account uh, all of that experience and, and common sense and, and, and so many other factors that uh, great forecasters have, whether it's partly intuition, partly pattern recognition, partly experience, and the collaboration of uh, geniuses that we have working together in that crucible of the operations floor at AccuWeather. But using that same approach, you may recall in April when we talked about corona, I, I said that I thought the virus would die down during the summer because of the warmer weather. People would be outside more. I know how the atmosphere works and, and how the virus spreads physically. But on the other hand, 
I, we also know that not only are people outside more and the, and the air's mixing more and so on, but we know that there's much more sunlight as we get into the summer. So we knew that the solar intensity was heating up as we headed to June 21st. When you compare the amount of solar energy, of uh, ultraviolet radiation reaching the Earth in the latitude of New York or Chicago in, in June compared to December, it's 10 times as great because the days are longer, the sun's higher in the sky, and, and that's the enemy of the corona. So what we predicted then was that the virus was going to recede as we went through into and through the summer, but look out in the fall. And I said that uh, really worried, uh, based on the pattern of the virus, the Spanish flu 102 years ago, the second wave, you know, in that case was 10 times worse. So really concerned that it was going to pick up again greatly in October, and it was going to just go crazy as we went through November, December, January, and it might be February before it peaked and started down again. Well, guess what? Unfortunately, that's what happened. You know, I was looking, the amount of people in the hospital went down all through the summer and reached a low of 28,000 hospitalizations from the corona, hit 28,000 on September 20th. That was the low point. And now it's 110,000. It's up by a factor of four. I think that is something that people don't necessarily understand. We talk about winter starting on December 21st. I mean, the solar winter starts much earlier than that. And certainly it's uh, keying into this big snowstorm in the east. This is uh, the coldest air and the very least solar energy, and it's providing all that fuel. So you're right. There's a budget in terms of the amount of solar energy then how that's played out in the atmosphere. But as we get past the uh, solstice here, the amount of solar energy starts picking up. So that coupled with Joel, now, you know, something else you predicted, you had said that, you know, this was an amazing time that, you know, a hundred years ago, Spanish flu back then, the amount of scientific progress was slow when you were dealing with something like this. Now we have this amazing speed. So not only are we seeing this uptick in the virus, but now we're also seeing the first doses of vaccine going out across the United States. So, while we were are concerned, obviously, about this uptick in the virus, obviously, that's good news and a prediction, again, that this newly situation that we do research and things has paid off in the quick uh, advance of this vaccine. Well, right. And, and that was uh, an important point then. And it's been demonstrated with what happened. I mean, the difference between what science was 102 years ago and where science is today is extraordinary. Of course, accelerating exponentially. Compounding is the eighth wonder of the world, and it's the ninth wonder when you are able to compound it uh, exponentially, when you have accelerating information. And with the Internet and the cooperation and, and the interchange of information between the most brilliant people and the most brilliant companies, you have uh, just a runaway benefit. So what we have is truly amazing, developing a vaccine, and not only one, but many with different approaches that, you know, by mid-March, there'll be six different vaccines right. with different, three different approaches approved for use. And so I have no doubt, and as they're administered, we'll see you see the results and so on, and which ones are the safest and the best. But in any case, I have no doubt that because of the vaccine, and then also because of the seasonal benefit, that once we get to March, we're going to have this uh, virus 
clearly on the run. And I believe once we get to June, July, it'll, it'll be mainly behind us. By August and September, things will be rapidly returning to normal if they haven't already. So that's the whole positive that comes out of this. Uh, but we need to uh, we need to survive these next three months in particular. When you look at that return of normalcy as you go, um, you think that the economy gets to get going again or uh, quickly, or do you think there's going to be some changes that we're still not sure about the ramifications of what this slowdown and stop in the economy and the economic progress has done over the last nine months? Uh, just some. Well, clearly there's been a transformation in the economy, and some of uh, when we get back to normal, that normal is not going to be the same as what normal was. Right. There have been some long-term harmful effects, but there have been some transformations as well. So nobody can say you know, what it will look like precisely when we get out of it. I think the economic harm from the corona by 2022 will be completely in the rearview mirror. Does that mean uh, it will be the same economy as we had that was booming as we came into 2020? Probably not. Right. I'm not saying it's not going to be booming. It may be booming in some other way, but... A lot of the jobs will be different. The working conditions will be different. The number of people that go into an office and to commute, place, uh, right? like in New York City, spend an hour and a half on a train to get into into work, to work eight or nine hours, and then an hour and a half on the train uh, back every day. That's going to change. And, and so there will be a lot of changes that have been accelerated and, and brought on by uh, the conditions uh, around the corona. So it's going to be a different economy. Um, I, I'll also say that there's going to be a, a bigger divide between the have nations and the have not. You know, we talk about different kinds of systems and capitalism and so on. Obviously, I'm a believer in capitalism because it's brought the greatest prosperity and the greatest standard of living and, and health in the end to the people that live in a health capitalistic system. We have that here in the United States. And most of the advanced vaccines and the uh, benefit from the, that healthcare and these great corporations that develop these vaccines is here in the United States and Western Europe. And so, unfortunately, fortunately for the, for us uh, that live in, in this great country and, and will benefit from these vaccines, but unfortunately for many other parts of the world, there are just so many uh, vaccines that can be administered and they'll be slower to get to the less developed countries and, and the uh, uh, less capitalistic countries. Uh, this may be somewhat controversial with some people, but uh, the fact is that uh, it's a fact that uh, the divide between uh, the countries that have the vaccine, where the people take it and return to normal one, two, or three years faster than unfortunately some of the less developed countries uh, uh, in the third world will be exacerbated. Yeah, I, I can see that. And I can see that, uh, again, these are things that we don't even know, you know, parts of our life too, like higher education. Will that ever be the same, just the way it's fundamentally changed in the last year or so, the way... Well, I can talk about that too. Obviously, you know, yeah. I've been involved in higher education a little my bit. whole life. <laughs> uh, first, uh, getting three degrees, uh, uh, being a professor and teaching for 21 years and being a Penn State trustee uh, for nearly 40 as you may know, have uh, pushed very hard at Penn State for distance learning and the world campus, and, and, and we've been successful at it. But clearly, uh, major changes have been wrought, accelerated uh, by uh, the corona, but 
There's also a hunger and a need for the socialization, for the in-class experience, for the interaction personally with the professors and classmates and so on, and all the other things that a campus experience uh, provides. It's not just in Agile. It's in it's in our lives as a meteorologist. I miss mixing it up on the floor with people and yelling and getting passionate about it in person. It doesn't come off the same on Slack when you're saying, you know, you want to go six to 12 and everybody else wants to go three to six inches. But you know what I mean? It's hard, but we're, we're learning, I guess, as we go along. Well, right. So it's going to be a combination and the best of both worlds. So clearly there's a a lot of learning can be done more efficiently and effectively online, and, uh, and particularly, and, and some of that was developing ahead of time, you know, with all, all the different tutorials and, and the interaction, the basic things you could learn online long before Corona, uh, and that will continue, and that's accelerated by this. But on the other hand, the in on campus experience is valuable too. So it's going to be an evolution, yeah. and and. Uh, Frankly, some institutions are going to be much better able to handle that than others. You know, we have over 3,000 colleges and universities in the United States. I suspect the number will be under 1,000 in five, six, seven years because some of the smaller institutions that aren't diversified enough are not going to be able to survive economically. The bigger institutions like Penn State that have great professors, great classroom experiences, but also it's supplemented by the online and the interactive uh, computerized experience to maximize the overall experience and the learning process backed up by uh, active research where the professors are engaged in uh, learning and, and advancing the frontiers of science and knowledge, which is stimulating to them, their graduate students, and uh, the students who are exposed to it. It is the winning combination as this higher education does evolve. Well, I appreciate those thoughts. And uh, again, I, it's been amazing to me to listen to your counsel and your advice and, and to listen to these things. And we keep, will keep doing this as we get uh, through the holidays and into the, uh, into next year, Joel, uh, the best to you and your family, be safe, be well, and we'll talk to you in the new year here on everything under the sun. Yeah. And same to you and everybody listening. And one final word of advice, you know, um, just because the vaccines have arrived, don't let your guard down. You know, the next three to four months are the most critical to stay safe. As I said, the hospitalizations are at a record high, four times what they were, more nearly five times what they were just three months ago. The next two or three months are going to be, even though the vaccines rolled out, are going to be terrible. And we need to do all we can to minimize the people that catch the corona and, and uh, pass away from it. We got to get through the next three, four months, let the vaccine do its work. But we need to do our work once we get, you know, through April, May, especially June, July, we'll be in a much, much better place. Thank you. Joel, thank you. Coming up next, we'll check in with our friend, Dr. Eric Fisher. Wanted to bring him back after his visit a couple of weeks ago. Been seeing and hearing some things and friends and family that are concerning me as we get ready for Christmas. Already celebrating Hanukkah, getting ready for Kwanzaa. We're in the midst of the holiday season with really wintry weather. It's hard when you can't get out and about like you're wanting to in this holiday season. We'll check in with Dr. E after this. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. 
You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. As I was putting this week's show together, and I knew I wanted to have Joel on in the first segment, and I knew we were going to talk about some heavy subjects and talk about things that uh, we would need to look forward to. I know we just visited with Dr. E a couple of weeks ago, but I felt it was uh, maybe another little appropriate time to get him to visit. Dr. Eric Fisher has been appearing on MSNBC, Fox News, and the other networks talking about psychological issues for years. Years. And with AccuWeather, he's found a really good niche with our AccuWeather network doing daily doses of sunshine. So I like to bring Dr. Ian occasionally, especially this time of year. I mean, with the winter, the winter weather, getting ready for the holidays, I've been noticing some things going on with family and friends that have been a little concerning. It was time to bring our friend Dr. Eric Fisher back to Everything Under the Sun. So, Dr. E, thanks for being with us. So I, I just wanted to check in with you. I know we talked uh, at pretty good length a couple of episodes ago, but we're uh, getting into that period now just uh, within a week or so of the holiday itself. Uh, as uh, folks are been celebrating Hanukkah and we're going to get into the Christmas season and then Kwanzaa right after that. And I just want to talk a little bit about what we just uh, talked to our founder and CEO, Dr. Joel Myers, about in terms of, you know, his thoughts about how there was some predictability to the way this disease and 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 way things have been going. We would see this second spike at this time of the year. And, you know, even since we talked a couple of weeks ago, Dr. E, I mean, there are places now that are even more shut down and somewhat back to, uh, you know, where we were early on in COVID in terms of some of the restrictions. So uh, just talk a little bit about that is it's hard in a season where, you know, it's a darker time of the year with the lack of light and we're getting a snowstorm in places, a very vicious snowstorm here this week. It's it's It can be hard to find the light and the happiness in this time <laughs> when all this is going on. How about that? Right, right. I know I know we've talked a lot of times over the months about sometimes the darkness can show you the light. So I think again in these times we, we want to understand that the biggest issue I see is fear and mistrust and uncertainty. And as humans, we want to feel that there's some type of certainty, consistency, order, structure. We need a foundation to grasp onto often when we feel like we might be floating in the middle of a rough sea. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at now. And who do we trust? Because we've been taught to mistrust so many sources and so many people, or we've experienced mistrust from people that we believe we were supposed to trust. So, you know, we talked about even before not trusting the weatherman. We've, we've known we've been socialized almost not to trust our politicians if they're on the other side of the aisle. We've been taught that, you know, to believe in some of the concepts of some of these beings that bring us Christmas presents and, and Easter gifts only to find out that they're not real. So, you know, we can look at it through our lives. And I think what we, what we want to see is we have to find that element of trust and it has to start within ourselves. And we have to foster that and reward that in our culture. And so many times we're told from powers above us what to believe and what to think and what's right and what's wrong. And some people are very happy with that. Others aren't. Others rebel against that. And when we feel betrayal, and that's when often we react with the anger and the rage that's driven by betrayal and mistrust. So there's a lot of emotions going on here that I think are really at play. 
And and I think some of us just feel betrayed by the clock. You know, every time we seem to get a, a situation where we're making some headway or feel like we were reached a benchmark that we were told that we would be and and things would be positive, uh, then it seems to be that that uh, goal again gets pushed back. But, you know, obviously in the problems, I mean, some very bright spots as we're recording this, the first doses of vaccine are being administered to uh, folks uh, in this country. And so... I mean, in that regard, there are there are certainly bright spots and things that we can point to and keep trying to, to point out to people who may not see those things. You know, some people get so wrapped up in their frustration and their fears that they, they don't even want to look for the bright spots. They don't want to even look for the good news. Well, and even look at the, you know, the, the concerns about the vaccine, that there are a lot of people who are going to be, I, I'm frankly going to wait to take it because I've heard about the allergies, you know, that people with severe allergies. So when you have vaccines, there's a lot of promise with them and they're still, they're, it's still, I think we have to say that's an experimental phase. So being pragmatic about it, this is where I talk about logic versus emotion, being pragmatic and looking at the logic of the adoption of this vaccine. What are the steps that they went to? Was it surrounded by good science? Yes, it was. Weather, you know, is the weather now surrounded by good science? Yes, it is. So we have to look at these factors of things we feel we have no control over, and we have to be willing to do our research. We have to look for trusted sources, because often we can be given promises by people who have no idea what they're talking about, which in, in essence is, has led to some of the problems we're having. And then beyond that, we have to look to, like I said, where is our center? Who have we surrounded ourselves with? What do I feel within myself and how do I ground myself? Because too often we, we feel like victims and we feel like we're victims looking rescued. And then we feel like justified persecutors because somebody messed with me. So I'm going to, I'm going to settle the score. Or we feel we play the learn helplessness game, which says I give up because the world is out to get me. And we have all that mixture of things going on right now. That's kind of, this has been the perfect storm of the year to me, to really help us to look inside ourselves and reflect and see, how did I get to where I'm at? Not where did the world get to where it got? Because we can understand that by looking at ourselves. And that's where I think we need to look at right now and see, you know, where's my foundation? And is it is it in trust, love, belief, or is it in fear and doubt and hate? and anger. And those are the emotions I think we, we want to really look at. Talking with Dr. E here as uh, we get uh, ready for the uh, heart of the holidays here, uh, you know, and I, and I think that thing about uh, taking where you have to sometimes balance logic versus your emotions. And I, I see that many times in a normal holidays and some people uh, do things in the holidays to excess where they, probably wouldn't normally in the guise of that it's a fun celebration of your family and friends and stuff. But one thing that I see, Dr. E, that is concerning to me is people's just uh, wanting almost to spend their way out of the problems that they feel that they have this holiday season with loneliness or uh, inability to be around friends and family as much. And uh, is that is that something that you've been seeing uh, in as you deal with people and talk to people as they get ready for the holiday? Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, if you go back to that famous phrase, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die, you know, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a tragic phrase. But, you know, it, and and. And I think we feel at a time where we as a culture, though, regardless of that phrase, have learned that to feel happy, we're supposed to fill ourselves with stuff. We're supposed to surround ourselves with stuff. And it's almost like if you have the most toys, if you have the prettiest ring, if the prettiest wife, if you have the biggest house, we're, we've been 
taught to deal with pain through avoidance. And spending is as much an addiction as alcohol or drugs is an addiction. And I think we also have to see how our culture through our commercialism, the media, our commercials, you can't go anywhere right now and not hear what people are spending or what gift you should buy, who you should buy gifts for, how much your tips should be. There's so much surrounding that. And frankly, I would say for possibly more than a majority, Christmas is not a happy time of year. And I just was talking to somebody today. They said all the expectations that are surrounding it, right. I just, it, I, my, my biggest memories aren't that it was happy, but that it was surrounded with conflict. So I think we have to look at what are we putting even into the holiday and how is we have a culture lost the, the message. And that's where and we were talking about before we went on about a poem I wrote years ago called Twas the Sale Before Christmas mm-hmm. and all the ways that we spend ourselves into debt and how that debt is a stressor and how our country is in great debt and that's a stressor. And all these factors around credit and how we build our credit score by spending that this, we have to look at how the system was created and where, again, where does our control come back to? Where does our ability to manage our sense of self come back to? And that comes back to self-discipline. Right. And, and I avoid the word control because I always, see the, I always say the need for control is based in, in fear. I think we can look at the word self-management. Management, and right? Looking- keep, keep, keeping it balanced between good, you know, right? You know, not not authoritarian control. I understand what you're saying there, but mm-hmm. more. And my partner and I just went through that where we were finally able to take care of debt through the the uh, resolution of a, of an estate, and it has created a situation where. We're really trying to be disciplined, but um, it's a gift. And and that's really weighing on more people than ever now in these uncertain times. But then I feel like, you know, we make it continue to be easy for people to run their credit up on, on, a, on a holiday season like this and, and buy with it with outside of their means. And that's frankly, unfortunately, what the banks want because that's where they make a lot of money off interest and and they keep you they keep you indebted they keep you having to earn they keep you you know in that place it's a difficult situation and it's not about it's not about conspiracy it's about business so we have to look at the business that surrounds us and what have we done to feed that business and even the business of media what's the business the media business is in business to feed people enough to keep them hungry and to keep them watching. And that's why, again, I think, you know, responsible media is really key right now. And because people don't trust, even some, you know, even sometimes weather forecasts and things, they don't trust because, well, they're just saying that because of this or this or this. Right. They're they're hyping the storm so people come in and watch and and get more more hours of viewing, stuff like that. Exactly. So I think in this, again, what we want to look at is, Again, how do we as individuals manage our lives, manage our holidays, manage our money? People who write down their goals, and this this is some advice for New Year's. People who write down their goals are 80% more likely to accomplish them than people that don't. When we set our New Year's resolutions and we decide what am I going to do moving into next year, and we and we look at where we ended up in Christmas, whether it's five pounds heavy or more, a couple thousand more dollars in debt, what are we going to do to make sure? that we don't lose track of the goals that we want to set for a healthier life for ourselves, for our family, for our kids. Because if we as parents or we as a country or we as a government are modeling spending that's out of control and we're modeling practices that aren't sustainable, then guess what? That's what our kids are going to learn. 
And this is this is about top down, not just having, you know, being the authoritarian control parent telling our kids what to do, but equity and being balanced in what we show and what we do and what we teach and living by example rather than by what I say. Usually end our visits together with a, a Zen cone. Did you uh, give any thought to something here as we uh, get ready for this, uh, the holidays here in a couple of weeks? I did. And there was one that I just actually pulled, somebody pulled today. And it said, when standing, stand, and when sitting, sit, but don't wobble. So now's the time to, to, like I said, to see where we're at and to stand firm in the directions we choose to take, to seek guidance where we need it, to look at our resources and assess our resources, and to know that we have to really truly be the ones to define our course to truly feel like we're managing the direction we go with our future. Eric, I want to really thank you for uh, spending time with us all the way back from when we got going with the uh, the COVID series at the beginning of the pandemic. And now again, here through our winter series, we appreciate and cherish the time. And I look forward to talking to you in the new year next year. And we can talk about some of those resolutions and how we can get ready to move forward in 2021. All the best to you and your family, my friend, and have a safe and happy holiday. And to you as well. It's always an honor to speak with y'all. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everyone. If you'd like more information, Dr. E has a website. It's drepresents.com. In other words, uh, again, he uses the Dr. E shorthand, just DRE, no uh, period there. So drepresents, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S.com. I know I like to spell out websites because sometimes I think we just think everybody understands what everything is. drepresents.com for Dr. E. And on his Twitter, you can follow him as well at DRE, at D-R-E, that's Dr. E. Thanks, Eric, for being with us. Up next, good friend Brett Anderson joins me to talk about this past week's storm, the prolific snowmaker it was, and where we're going as we head towards Christmas week. Brett, as we look back at it, just uh, maybe a, a sentence or two, look at this storm and just uh, just some thoughts about how this all came together, a historic storm in some places, and certainly not the typical nor'easter that we would expect this time of year. No, if we look to, you know, we look at a lot of charts here. Um, we look at the surface, we look at the upper atmosphere. And, you know, if I, I've been doing this for a long time. I've, if I look just at the charts, I would not have ever expected this much snow across the north portions of the northeast with this type of system. It was seemed to be a fast moving system, not overly strong. But again, we had the key ingredients. We had cold. warm moist air coming up from the south, a lot of cold air in place in the northeast. And when you combine those two, you typically get a lot of snow. So that's yeah, what I think those of us in the Northeast, when we woke up Wednesday, we felt how cold it was. And we knew that storm was coming into that. It just uh, looked at it. Let's break it down a little bit more as we go forward. We also had a very strong jet stream. So the combination of those two really provided a lot of lift in the atmosphere. And we saw some tremendous snowfall rates, uh, one to three inches per hour, sustained over the same areas through the night. I was just watching these areas. It's not moving anywhere. And I knew it was going to be some places getting over three feet of snow. And that happened to be northern Pennsylvania through Binghamton, just north of Albany into Vermont and New Hampshire, farther north. And probably forecasts had said earlier, but I think generally 
uh, forecasts along the I-95 corridor were fairly accurate. I do. I think one thing that we had to do in the end was bring actually more snow up into parts of New England closer to Boston. I mean, initially when we looked at it, it looked like uh, maybe some of the heaviest amounts would stay to their south and west, but even up into southern Maine got clobbered here with the second piece of the storm this morning. But you're right. I mean, we're seeing numbers in the 40s. From one storm, 40 plus inches in Binghamton. And now, look, we hear that sometimes this time of year from lake effect stuff closer to, you know, uh, Erie and Buffalo and those areas, but not in Binghamton. I mean, from one storm, that's a heck of a lot of energy and a heck of a lot of snow. Yeah. And uh, just I think it was a couple of years ago, was it that that same area had hardly any snow the entire winter? Right. So (laughs) this is something they have not seen in quite a long time. And then some of the wind gusts, you know, it's uh, this uh, this COVID-19 situation, I think, has uh, affected some of the data. And there were some data outages, apparently. But I'm starting to see some of the even latest numbers that are coming in from the National Weather Service. There was gusts 50, 60, 70 miles per hour just on eastern Long Island as that second piece kind of really strengthen. You know, there are some places that were kind of slushy and slippery along the coast. And then all of a sudden during the morning on Thursday, that cold air kind of wrapped back in and it got icy and there's going to be icy spots. So kind of let's go into the weekend. That storm is departing, Brett. There's kind of another kind of a storm that's the the center of it's up in Canada and it's driving a dragging kind of like almost a clipperish front that's going to be coming into the upper Great Lakes and then spreading some of its showers and rain down into the southeast. Not a huge system, but there could be some showers of rain or snow uh, in the northeast. Uh, Great Lakes first uh, Saturday and then into the northeast and think on Sunday. We'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, I think uh, I think along again along the uh, I-95 corridor, probably you know there might be some mixing there. I think roads will generally be okay. It's the the areas across the interior, which is usually the case anyway. May see some slippery spots, but again, this is not a big storm coming through. Uh, my main issues actually the next two nights are very cold uh, readings. Uh, we're gonna perhaps set some record lows Friday night uh, across parts of the Northeast, and again with those suddenly dropping temperatures during the evening. Any slush standing water will rapidly freeze. So even though the storm is gone, you need to pay close attention if you're traveling out in about the next couple of nights. So snow has two characteristics. One, during the day, it has what we call high albedo, which means that it is able to reflect the solar energy quickly. But then the other thing that it allows, it just kind of puts a blanket down and then it just any cold air in a low spot that's uh, covered with snow, it's just going to drain in there. And then the cold, it seems like it gets colder. So you're right. Some of these areas that are blanketed in snow, it's going to get pretty darn cold, especially with not a lot of flow, not a lot of wind. There's going to be some areas that really drop. And, you know, some of the snow that's around you got your white Christmas. You got it a week early in the Northeast, but it, uh, there's a lot of places that I think by a week uh, from now are not going to lose a lot of this snow. No, especially across the interior. So, uh, and there'll certainly be plenty of piles around of snow. That's going to hang around for quite a while. <laughs> no doubt about that. So all the focus this week has been kind of really on the east, Brett, um, going out west. You know, they had some fairly tranquil weather. There looks like there's a system that's coming on shore into the Pacific Northwest. So some rain and snow as we get into the weekend, uh, Portland rain, uh, some uh, cascade snow and then some snow back into the Rockies. Are we going to start to see the, you know, we, we've had a cutter coastal cutter in the Midwest coastal. Are we going to start to see the storm track kind of? pick up in the west a little bit the next couple of weeks uh i don't know how much more i can pick up after this but i do think it's going to settle down uh uh, again a very active stretch through sunday this these storms are not terribly cold so again i think most of the snow level is going to be above passes most of the time 
But uh, again, I think things will calm down a little bit, a little bit over the next couple of weeks compared to what they are currently across the Northwest. But again, this is typical La Nina type stuff here. Uh, La Nina typically uh, directs storms into the Pacific Northwest, and usually La Nina winters bring a lot of snow in the Cascades and plenty of rain across the I-5 corridor from Portland to Seattle. So, I mean, you know, normally we'd be thinking that this week coming up it would be a huge travel week for people as they kind of get uh, hither and yon for uh, getting ready for Christmas. And I do think we'll see some regional and local travel, but not the cross-country travel that we've seen. But it, it doesn't seem, as I look at the modeling going forward, that uh, we're all that busy going into next week. Uh, a little system, it looks like uh, early next week uh, down along the Gulf Coast, brings some rain to Florida and then another stormy little situation middle week in the country. But the east East, just kind of cold and dry, maybe one little clipperish thing, as we said uh, again early next week with some light snow or flurries. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to have a kind of a clipper system moving up through the Great Lakes uh, midweek uh, around the 23rd, 23rd big travel day. So I, if there's going to be travel issues, it looks like the Great Lakes, upper Midwest, uh, maybe your area of concern there. Farther south, probably warm enough for mostly showers in those areas. And then we could see some storms down along the Gulf Coast. But once that moves by, I'll tell you what, that, that could open the door to some really cold air coming in right for Christmas Day across the East and Great Lakes. So again, uh, you know, make sure you're bundled up, maybe um, extra gloves, socks, hats, those kinds of things are good Christmas gifts here. Brett, appreciate I, the time. Anything else you want to add? Here? I just want to mention, you mentioned socks. I, I, I bought some socks. Did you? Good. For yourself? <laughs> don't, don't your tell, no, my, for my wife. Don't tell oh, are they, are they, well, you're not supposed to tell your gifts out loud here on the, uh, I hope she, well, just make sure she doesn't tune into this week's uh, podcast. I hope not. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, Brad. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Make sure that you're weatherproofing your weekend and the week beyond by keeping track of the latest forecasts on your AccuWeather app. Newly redesigned here in the last year, winning rave reviews. You can also check out all the stories and information on our AccuWeather.com website and uh, our AccuWeather network and our great media partners across the country and the world. That'll do it for all of us. Big thanks to our founder and CEO, Dr. Joel Myers, to Dr. E. Eric Fisher, and to Brett Anderson. And um, big thanks to all of the media partners partners that I work with, all those radio stations. I know we were busy this week getting ready for the storm and all my colleagues too. Uh, we had a lot of folks working very hard this last week or so, as we always do to get you the best information and keep you ahead of the storm. Next week, we'll be back a little earlier with a podcast. It's really more of a story. I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine who... Uh, Really uh, had an amazing thing happen to him a couple of Christmases ago. You know him. You've probably seen him and probably heard him over the years, uh, but you'll get to know him a little bit better for things that maybe you didn't know about him before. Um, a great Christmas story coming up next week on Everything Under the Sun. For all of us, the hundreds of AccuWeather team members across the world that work so hard to keep you ahead of the storm, for my executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, I'm Dean DeVore. Thanks for being with us. I'll talk to you next week on Everything Under the Sun. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.